When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and John Gibson, Newcastle. Welcome Burnley to St. Jim's Park on Saturday. But before we get into that, we've got to talk about Newcastle United 1, Manchester City nil in the Carabao Cup. And ladies and gents, you might remember that me and John did something that we rarely do. We agreed on the scoreline and we both said 1-0 to Newcastle United and we were both right. John, what did you make of that performance of that result? Absolutely fabulous result. Absolutely fabulous uh, second half performance. Half time, I didn't think we would be right. Um, because we'd struggled in the first half. Um, I mean, I think we only got over the halfway line twice. One was the Murphy one where uh, he should have scored. Um, but I mean, they played it, won it, and, and we've knocked them out and with a terrific performance. Um, I have to say, because I've been, if I am truthful, uh, we also talked on the build-up uh, to this match, Andrew, about... It was as much about Eddie's team selection as it was about Pep's team selection. And I must admit, when I got the, the team sheet an hour before kickoff, 10 changes, every single outfield player changed, a back four that had never shook hands with each other, two teenagers in mid in midfield. Um, you know, I had worries about Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup last season with the team selection. But once Eddie saw what I felt was inevitable, that would get overrun in midfield, etc. Once he actually saw that, he was big and bold enough to do something about it. And bringing Bruno and Gordon on at half-time completely changed the team and the reaction of the crowd to the whole thing. And all of a sudden, we had 45 minutes of the real Newcastle had a, having had a very sort of tepid version of Newcastle for the opening 45 minutes. The changes were absolutely startling and we ended up with a huge uh, array of heroes. We certainly did. And no one saw the number of changes coming. I was very oh. surprised. Ten changes. But everyone that came in, and I know... The two young lads got taken off at half-time, but I didn't think they necessarily did anything wrong. I thought that I had a decent uh, out in Miley and Lewis Hall. But everybody played really, really well. And I want to focus first off, John, on they, that they, back they, four. Yeah. They didn't play well in the first half. No, 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 no. The, everybody the, the, didn't play well in the first half. We played very poorly in the first half. And at half-time, we were going to be out the cup, believe you me. What changed it was that the senior players who were already on the field got two absolutely outstanding people in Bruno and Gordon in there with him and it transformed it. And the back four who had fought valiantly, I mean, the ball was kicked long by Pope and came straight back for the whole of the first half and the back four stood up and were, were superb. But we didn't play well first half, but by Jove, we played well second half. 
Yes, sorry. So when I say that everyone played well, maybe yes, it's a little bit uh, based on what happened in the second half. But um, I thought, like I said, Miley and Lewis Hall, uh, I thought maybe a little bit unfortunate to get subbed off, but I think it needed it with Gordon and Bruno being the difference. But the, the back four was superb. And when you when you're right, when you look at the, the team sheet and you're thinking, goodness me, these guys now have played together. You've got uh one centre back who's only had three starts in the last year or so. You've got another centre back who's actually left back and hasn't played in 13 months and has had injuries issues. And then you've got um Matt Target, a left back who can't get ahead of a centre back at left back, and then a young lad making his debut. And you're right, you're sitting there thinking, Well, okay, they've got to stop a World Cup winner. Yes, absolutely. They, they, were, they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. I know Liv Romenso got man of the match, but you could have handed it easily to Paul Dummett. You could have handed it easily to Jamal Asazafeld. Even my target would have been in with a little bit of a shout. Collectively, that back four surprised everyone, I think. I think they did. Uh, they may have surprised themselves. They were that good. Uh, but yes, the back four took huge credit. And I would say the back four over 90 minutes took huge credit. Other people took huge credit over 45 minutes, to be truthful. Um, and I felt, just to, to finish it off, I felt sorry for the two young teenagers, Miley and Paul, because, to be truthful, and we, we rarely question anything Eddie does, and even this turned out to be wonderful, so it's very hard to acquire, but this was an unfortunate match to put them together with so many reserves and throw them in against Man City. I thought it was unfair on both Hall and Miley. And I'm not saying either did anything wrong, but they had to be substituted. They also were almost in partnership, weren't they? In this, they played in the same area of the field as, as one another. And it was all too much against the side of this quality. And that changed with Bruno and Gordon coming on. And the back four deserved some help from further up the pitch to do what they did. But yes, I mean, um, I've got to say, I was delighted with um, Lascelles and Dummett. I was more or less hoping that Livervento would produce what he produced, although never as good as that. But um, Dummett, I mean, he has been... I, I'd almost forgotten Dummett was here, you know. You forget that he was here, don't you? He hasn't played in the first team for so, so long. And yet, he was originally in our old Steve Bruce side, the best out-and-out -out defender in the club was Paul Dummett. And he showed again last night why that's so. Lascelles, who used to play quite nervously and want people around him to support uh, so the runners didn't get in behind him, under Steve Bruce, looked an accomplished centre-half last night. I thought the two centre-halves did absolutely magnificently. But Luffermengo, to, to produce a performance like that, a 20-year-old, when confronted by a hundred million pound England international in Jack Grealish, who was absolutely fed up the back teeth of our boy by the end of the night, there's no question there, and and to look so smooth on the ball and so comfortable and easy on the ball and easy on the eye, um, and to have shown that he got over such a bad bad injury that kept him out for a year, it was eye popping. Uh, but it was equally eye-popping the two centre-halves um, because we weren't expecting that from them. And put together, it was often said when Dummett was a left-back that he would eventually end up at centre-half and it was heading in that direction till he was overtaken by Newcastle developing so quickly. But um, he looked natural in there. He did terrific. And uh, the whole of the back folk can stand up and be with their heads head high and... I mean, they've added to four clean sheets. Now, the three clean sheets were might have understood with their normal back four, but to get a fourth one against the European champions, all right, it wasn't their first team, but by Jove, it wasn't ours. But their front, their front still had the World Cup winning centre forward, Argentinian Alvarez, and still had Jack Grealish. So, by what an accomplishment that was by Newcastle against, against that quality of player. It certainly was, and I do wonder whether Livermento's uh, emptied his pockets yet, because if he does, you'll find Jack Grealish in there, absolutely superb, and I just wonder how good he's going to get with Kieran Trippier as a mentor, because 
you know, he's going to have the next couple of years, hopefully, to work with Kieran Trippier and get even better. And I just can't wait to see what journey he goes on. And just a little bit more on Paul Dummett because he is, now, he said he didn't test Newcastle too much, but Paul Dummett put in two really important challenges. One in the first half, which he had to get the ball, I think it was from Jack Grealish, and he had to get in from kind of behind sideways, which is not an easy challenge to do. You've got to get that challenge right because if you take the man, it's a penalty and potentially red card. If you don't win the ball, he's through. You know, it was a superb challenge. And then right at the death as well, Joe Linton, the ball bounces off him. It's 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 fallen to the forward, and Dummett just goes straight through one of those trademark Paul Dummett uh, challenges and sends the ball down the down the road, and then he, he get, that's when he gets the cramp. Two really important challenges there, and for a man who's barely played thirteen months or whatever it is, he didn't look out of place. A man who, again, I will re-emphasize, is primarily a left back. That's his position. He looked right at home there, and I'm just over the moon for him. And there's been an interview, John. I don't know if you've seen it uh, with Paul. Uh, came out last night and he was just asked about returning, you know, asking about what it was like. And he looked quite emotional and he, he did say, like, I've been fit for a while. I'm just working day in, day out really hard, trying to catch the manager's eye, essentially. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was the gist of it, you know. And I think a lot of people, when he was offered the contract extension, felt he's here just to make the numbers up. I'll be honest, I was one of those. I thought, keep the wise head around. You know, he's experienced. He can help the, the youngsters bed in. Um, he knows what it's all about. But if he puts in performances like that, you know, it, the fact that they didn't bring in another centre-back in the summer doesn't look as a, as, as, as poor a decision as some felt it, it, it may have been. Yeah, um, I don't quite go along with that because um, he's essentially a left-sided centre-back, which, which were well covered with Botman and Byrne. It, it doesn't justify not getting a right-sided centre-back, which is what we needed, because Paul Dummett's a left-sided centre-back. We've already got Byrne in, in, in Botman there. So it, it, it's not the same. We should have still got a right-sider because we're, we're not covered well there. Although Lascelles did very well in that position and will stake his claim as well. I'll cover for sure. And, and that's super. But, I mean, with Dummett, yes, I've got to be truthful. I mean, I spoke to a lot of top quality Newcastle United former footballers, and I'm talking about the very, very best, the top of the tree type of former players, who were a little bit disfoundry about Paul sticking around. From his point of view, not from the club's point of view, from his point of view, saying, yeah, long time retired, and he hasn't got much left in his career time-wise anyway. He should be going out and playing and making the most of his last years instead of sitting for 12 months on his backside at Newcastle and never playing. And um, I can follow that sort of theory and that thinking. And I was a bit bemused that Paul was willing to do that. Um, despite his obvious love of Newcastle, which helps him to, to do that. But he proved a point last evening. Um, there's no way that uh, he didn't do himself 200% favour, as did Lascelles, let's be truthful. Um but, of course, you've got to go and do it again. The, the, the secret is you've got to do it again. And the secret is you've got to stay fit, you know, which is, can he do that? Let's let's hope so. But, I, yes, like you, I was thrilled a bit for the lad because I think he's had a tough old time with injuries, with age, with whether he stays around. And having been a first-team regular, um, which he's been, and like Lascelles, who was a first-team regular, it must be tough to sit it out week after week after week. And he doesn't even get on as a sub, does he? You know, he he might get on the bench as one of the nine because there's nine, but he doesn't get on as a sub. So he really doesn't play. He barely even gets in the squad. He referenced that in the interview that it's been tough for him not to be even in, in, in the match day squad. So when these opportunities come along, he's got to take them. And you're right. You know, he says he's been fit. So we'll, we'll, he was obviously fit yesterday. And But it's interesting. You see, you know, you've got to do it again. I mean, the reality is, when is he going to get the chance to do it again? It's probably going to be the week of October the 30th in the next round, potentially. I was going to say, it'll probably be Manchester United, won't it? <laughs> yeah, but what a what a, what a super performance. Um, I mean, we'll hear from Eddie Howe now, who praised Dummett's performance. This is what Howe had to say about the left-back, who became a star centre-back against Manchester City. I thought Paul was absolutely outstanding, as you say, and 
I think when you see him behind the scenes every day, um, his commitment to Newcastle, the professionalism that he shows, um, his, his standards have been exemplary since I've been here. That's why I'm so determined to keep him in the summer. Um, and he can still play an important role on the pitch. He's got a real experience and um, really good defensive mindset. So I thought him and Jamal, the pair of them today, I thought were really, really good for us and uh, delighted that we, we, we sort of show that strength in our back line because it's going to be hugely important this season. He's 100% right. And I mean, a word on, on Jamal Lasalle's again. He comes in, he seems to come in and, and face these these fantastic sides, City, Liverpool, and he never puts a foot wrong. And he's got lots of praise for his defensive work yesterday. He won a couple of really important headers. There was one right at the death as well, where he really had to make sure he got his head on it and he did and it cleared. And then I think Miggy blasted it upfield. But the goal, Lascelles made the first kind of pass, which set Newcastle on their way uh, downfield, which finally ended with Isaac. So I've seen somebody tweet that he was passing like Botman, which is um which is quite a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I, think, you know, I think we're all getting carried away by this result and, and shows we should and so every Jordy should. But we're getting carried away. I mean the one thing Lissels has never done is step out of the fence and pass it like Botman. And God bless him, uh, although he has other he has other strengths. May I just take that very interesting point you, you were talking about him stepping out and, and starting to move the produced a winning goal. May I make a play here because we're thrown about like confetti and wonderful words about a series of Newcastle players. And we haven't mentioned this one yet. The comeback of Joel Linton was nothing short of fabulous. He was absolute quality. He hasn't been playing well this season, and we've talked about it on this podcast as to why that is. Because he's been playing with an injury week after week after week, not training during the week, a little bit on a Friday and back in on the weekend, and has struggled. Now, proper injury, an accumulation of all this, he got a big proper injury with uh, Brazil that forced him to take a rest. Best thing had happened to him because last night he was the old Joe Linton, the powerhouse Joe Linton that we first saw when he moved from centre forward to the midfield. And his run on the goal, never mind what Lascelles did, which was quite good, never mind what Isaac did, which was put the ball in the net, which is very important, the goal for me, stamped in six-foot letters across his forehead, was Joe Linton's. Because the run he made, the people he held off, going from left to right, turning and getting that cross, was fabulous. And if I was thrilled about anything, and I was thrilled about loads of things last night, but it was seeing Joe Linton play like that again. Yeah, player of the year last year, wasn't he? And look, it was on my list to discuss Joe Linton, but there were sure. so many good things sure. to talk about yesterday that I felt I had to start with the defence and spend about yeah. 10 minutes talking about how good everybody was because, again, I just re-emphasize the point. You see Dummett and Lascelles paired and you're thinking this is going to go badly. It didn't. They were fantastic. and I'm over the moon at that. But yes, Joe Linton, I mean, look, we were told we'd be fortunate to see him back ahead of the international break. You might see him back. And there he is in the team. I did say, actually, on the way into the game that I would not be surprised to see Joe Linton start, just simply because Eddie Howe seemed to suggest yeah. he was a week away um, from returning. And, he did, and there he was. And, you know, Newcastle United have missed him. Missed him even when he's been starting this season because, as you see, he's not been the Joe Linton of old. But everything just seems to be clicking now. And Eddie Howe has got a, a, a decision to make for Saturday because he's got but Bruno's back to his best. Longstaff yep. seemingly has been the key over the last week to, 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 to be getting Bruno back to his best and, and that engine room. Tonali didn't pull up any trees, but you know, he did all right against City FL. Mm. He didn't look out of place. Joe Linton's come back in and put in what an eight, nine out of ten performance. Elliot Arneson has filled in tremendously well, and he'll feel hard done by if he's not in the team on Saturday. It's such a positive dilemma to have, but this is a mix of, a, of a, an episode. We're talking about City, we're talking about Burnley. So the first question about Burnley, John, who starts in that midfield trio on Saturday? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, for a start, it does 
it does like now we're into uh, Saturday, midweek, Saturday games. He does like to spread the load and he is able to spread the load because of what we've got. I mean, there's questions all over the park. We've got two outstanding right backs now, Trippier and Livermanco. Uh, we've got two outstanding right backs. Now, I'm not suggesting for one second that Trippier ought to be dropped. What I am suggesting, which you won't like, because you don't like people moving from one side to the other, when we've talked about attackers and whether Barnes comes in and Gordon moved across, what I would do... Don't do it, John. Don't do it. I'm telling you. And who says you're right and who says I'm right? It's only a matter of an opinion. I would play Trippier left-back in Liverpool or right-back for a start. You're shaking your head. Tell us why. Because Dan Byrne's done zero wrong, and if Dan Byrne recovers from this illness, oh, yeah, yourself. he's done. I zero. think he'll start Dan Byrne. I think you know he put in a, a shift against. Yeah, These are two fullbacks. The fullbacks. He is not a fullback. If we play Dan Byrne out the position, playing Lefamenko or Trippier on the left hand side is less out of position than Byrne is. I know you're shaking your head, but I've got a right opinion as much as you have to yours. And I'm you saying that I would play those two at fullback on Saturday in place of Dan Byrne. And Dan Byrne is not a fullback. And I don't care how long we we'll go on about his big heart and his Geordie spirit and and, and and his lack of pace doesn't matter because he cares so much and he's clever in a position. And I give him all those things. Bottom line is not a Champions League left back. Now, these are fullbacks and have more class, both of them, than Burn, or quicker than Burn. Um, and therefore, I don't know what Burn's got above those two to put him in ahead of those two. I, I'm talking about either of those two at left back. I'm not talking about on the right hand side. Interesting. I did say uh, he put in a shift against City. I meant to say he put in a shift against uh, Milan and, and Sheffield yeah. United. Dan Byrne. If, he, if Dan Byrne recovers from from this illness, which kept them out, he will start against Burnley. Because no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not suggesting he won't because Eddie Howe will pick him. I'm just saying that I wouldn't. I I wouldn't switch Trippier over. We we spoke about it a few weeks ago after he played there for England and played really well. I think that right back position is where he will he will play for Newcastle unless Eddie Howe and his side are hit by several injuries and, and he's forced to switch him. I can't see him switching. I know why you're saying it because they've I must to... I must send a, an email to Gareth Southgate to tell him how wrong he was to do that then uh, because he didn't realise how wrong he is but now he will stand corrected and he'll never do that again. What a load of tosh. Of I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying he was wrong at all and I'm not saying Kieran Trippier wouldn't do a job there because quite clearly he can do a job there. I'm just do saying... Not, do you not think he's me, a better left-back than, than Dan Byrne? Left-back than Dan Byrne? Uh, yes, yes, he most probably is, as is Lewis Hall, as is as Matt Target. Dan, on, on Dan Byrne's nowhere near playing left-back for England, which is what Trippier's just done recently. Well, do you know, there wasn't there was there was a few people calling for him to be in the squad at the end of last season. So I mean, oh, I don't know yeah, how yes, his so. stocks falling so so sharply as a, as a, a centre half, not as a left back. I think Dan Byrne has has earned the right to remain at left back until he has a has a terrible game. Yeah. Every time we wrote, 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 wrote him off, he's, as well. Well, every time we've we've written him off, he's bounced back. I know why you're saying it, John, but as you say, opinions are opinions. I, I don't agree with you um, at all on that. I, but um, yeah, I mean, it'd be an interesting. The bottom line is, it you know, it, it won't happen because Eddie Howe does like Dan Byrne at left back. But I, I, I take your opinion, John, on that. But yeah, I mean, the midfield for me is the interesting one. I think it will be Bruno. I think it'll be Longstaff, and then I think that other position is just it's just a little bit of, up for grabs. I mean, rotation might come into it as well. The fact they're playing Burnley and not. A, a solid Premier League side with all due respect and the fact you've got PSG coming. Um, it's going to be interesting who, who fills that third spot. I could see it being Anderson again and maybe Joe Linson and Tenari start on the bench and it, it allows them to switch it up uh, later in the game on the hour mark potentially. And I'm sure if Newcastle are winning comfortably by that point, there will be you know wholesale changes come the hour mark you know to give them a rest ahead of Wednesday. Uh, back to the City game though, John. Pep set his stall out 
before the game and pretty much wrote the game off. You know, he wasn't too interested in it. But his antics on the touchline during the game suggests that maybe he wasn't too happy about going out of the competition. Well, I mean, I think it's genuine that it's fourth in his pecking order. Um, after uh, the Champions League, the Premier League and the FA Cup. I think it's fourth in his pecking order. But you know what? I think it's fourth in uh, Eddie Howe's pecking order as well. Um, because that's the way it is when you're in the huge, huge, huge competitions. Where it's different for Newcastle is that they're still looking to win the first trophy in 50-odd years. Manchester City are knee-deep in trophies. They're having to build a new trophy cabinet to take them all. And that's just the ones they've got in the last 12 months. So it is different for them. It is important for us to win our first trophy to get the monkey off the back since 1969. And the only way we're going to win that trophy is in the two domestic trophies. We're not going to win this season the Premier League or the Champions League. Uh, even the most... Uh, loyal and fanatical Newcastle United fan wouldn't expect that but they would expect we could still win something which would be one of the two domestic cups so it is different for us um, and I think I think Pep was trying to be clever beforehand he was trying to get his excuses in before the inevitable happened or in case the inevitable happened but you know what once a winner always a winner once a match starts you want to win it and Pep does and, and Pep got very uptight and ended up getting book because of it um, but if Pep was going to lose in one competition that would be the competition but it would have been the same for us and I think that was almost reflected dare I say it in the, in the side Eddie Howe started with the 10 changes and two teenagers in midfield I mean he was showing there where the League Cup stood in his pecking order not when you get closer to Wembley because then it's the all the biggest thing on God's earth, but at the at the very early stage, and that was our first match in this this season. Um, but yeah, Pep doesn't like losing, and that's wonderful. And all great managers don't like losing. But Eddie Howe doesn't. Like... He doesn't, and I guess you can see how much the the competition meant to Eddie Howe when obviously he must have smelt blood um, at half time, and he's made the bit the big decision to bring on Bruno and Gordon, who ultimately changed the game and. It's interesting because Newcastle started the second half quite well, but there was a moment in that game in which I kind of looked at and thought, okay, I think Pep knows his side are going to lose this game. And it was an Anthony Gordon challenge right on the touchline, right in front of the dugout um, on Kovacic, and he goes through the player. And Pep Guardiola kind of stood up and, and he went over and he applauded Anthony Gordon. Then he turned to his other player and applauded, then he turned to his own player and applauded him. And it just looked a bit sarcastic on one hand. It looked a little bit half-hearted with his own player. And I just thought, something's not quite right there. And I, I don't know, I may be reading too much, but I just thought, I think Pep knows that Newcastle's heart's in this more than his own players are. Uh, because, you know, the player that went down didn't look like he really wanted to get up again. And I thought that was the moment he knows he's in for a game and knows Newcastle have maybe got the upper hand. And then moments later, Newcastle go and score what turned out to be the winner. Um, but just on Anthony Gordon, John, it seems like week in, week out, we're just praising him. And yet again, absolutely superb yesterday. He had the running about him. He had the aggressive nature about him. He was getting stuck in. He was running rings around the defence. He was, you know, stretching them here and there. He's just, he's just, he's arguably in the form of his career. Oh, I think without a question, he's in the form of his career. It's it's still a young career and he's never played better than he's playing now. And there's no question. And what sparked that was his performance for England, um, young England in the, in the summer and uh, when he was voted man of the tournament. And he's carried that on into this. And, and his form is phenomenal. He's blessed with blistering pace and what an asset that is in the modern game and he's blessed with that and he's also blessed with you know he he looks like a nasty so-and-so on the pitch but in fact he's not off the pitch he's a lovely lad but he's a nasty so-and-so on the pitch I mean opposing fans hate him and Newcastle fans hated him when he played for Everton because he just gets up your nose but he's wonderful for, for the team and he's, he's so passionate about his game and he wants to so be the best and it shows and he's been 
he's been a game changer for Newcastle in the last two games and he hasn't even started. He didn't start in the, she the Sheffield United and he didn't start last night. Um, and yet he was the game changer in both. He is quite, quite, quite phenomenal. And I'm thrilled for him because we did on this podcast um, plead with Newcastle fans to um, give him time at the end of last season and said this would be season this season. And so it's proven to be. And I'm thrilled a bit for the kid because um, uh, we off needed it and he off needed it. But uh, I think going away with England and doing so well with England and not having the summer spent lying on a beach, not that there's anything wrong with that, but keeping your fitness and keeping and up to scratch give him a huge advantage at the start of this season and it, it spilled through all the way and, it, it, and it's great. And bringing on him and Bruno did turn the game. And I'm not certain for one second because we naturally give great credence to everything Newcastle United because it's going so well at the moment and aren't we thrilled? I don't think Eddie Howe scented blood at half time. I think Eddie Howe scented humiliation if I don't do something about it because we had been on the ropes all of the first half and that we weren't three to three nil down at half time was just because of their shoddy finishing or, or incapable of finishing. Um, and he put two of his senior players because. It's different losing away from home in the cup with it with a reserve side out, like at Sheffield Wednesday, because there's four thousand fans there or something. Losing in front of fifty thousand of your own in and so tamely and at half time it was tame, mind. That's what was wrong with it. It was tame. And the second half was Newcastle that we know. And as you rightly say, with the early tackle, those two guys coming on, the 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 things that would have been said in the dressing room, plus they come on, plus you get somebody rattle a cage early, the crowd who's been asleep and have been getting jibbed by the city crowd saying that they was quiet as the Etihad, were not quiet any longer. They needed a reason to show their, their passion and seeing the cage rattled. Newcastle have always, fans over the years, Going back to the 60s and the 70s, have responded to two things, quality football and tackles which start off two foot away and absolutely sweep the ball, the man and everybody else over the touchline, has always produced a great response from the crowd. And those two tackles set the mood. The players fed off it. All of a sudden you get Isaac, who found the first half very tough because there was nobody with him. He did a tackle over the far side, the old popular side, as we used to say. And the ball went out and he did a Bruno. He's up with his fists clenched at the crowd. No, over a tackle. And he's a centre forward because it was raising the roof. And therefore, we, got the, we were given the old Newcastle back in the second half. And the spark to that was the two half-time changes and the early two rattling tackles that got the crowd going and the players responded to the crowd then in the way in with a real chance because they had good players on the field. And then, all of a sudden, City didn't fancy it. The City players. I mean, I think Pep might have, might have done, but enough City players, once that cage was rattled, didn't fancy it. Uh, obviously, because I had three hours on the bus to go home instead of flying home in a luxury plane. <laughs> well... It's interesting you mentioned that because if you think Man City's night was bad inside the stadium, I left uh, St James's Park and as I did, the two buses carrying the city uh, players and staff exited uh, St James's Park, but not in a not in a fashion you'd want to because that ramp there's a little bit of a ramp which takes you onto the road just before you turn onto St James's Boulevard, and um, the, the, the bus kind of leant forward on its right side and it literally dug in to the pavement and there was this horrendous screeching sound. So when the driver checks the bus this morning and he's looked underneath, he might be missing a part of the underwork of the body. So it was just another uh, bad moment for City on their long and horrible journey back to the northwest. But I do disagree with, with you, John. I, I get what you're saying. You know, Newcastle United was second best and Man City had a lot of the ball in that first half, most of the ball. But, there was, you know, Jacob Murphy had a good chance. And I think Eddie Howe saw openings. I think he, he, he looked that first half. And yes, he, they've had too much of the ball. 
But I think he, he saw that City were there and there was gaps to be exploited. And what he needed was just an experienced pro or two to make sure they took advantage. And that's why Bruno and Gordon came on and then made the most of A, City not really fancying it and B, the gaps that, that, that could be exploited. Um, In terms of this week, John, what does that result do for the Burnley game and then the PSG game to come in terms of the spirit and confidence? Oh, hugely, because we've now uh, we've now produced, having had three successive defeats, which knocked our end in uh, at the beginning of the season, knocked our end in. We thought we knew the second season was going to be tougher than last season, but not this tough. After that, we were really behind the eight ball because we weren't playing well. We'd lost some games, a couple of them not well, losing to Liverpool with five minutes left and 11 men against 10, etc., uh, etc. Et but all of a sudden, we've produced four outstanding results, three wins and a very uh, highly commended draw in the Champions League at AC Milan. We've had four clean sheets with three wins and a draw. You can't ask for better than that. That was Newcastle at its best last season as far as results are concerned. We've just won eight nil away from home and set a record for all sorts of things. Eight different scorers, Newcastle's biggest away win, blah de blah blah Terrific. If we had lost to Man City, we would have half expected that it was possible and we might have got over it if we weren't humiliated, but we don't have to get over it. We're going to Burnley absolutely cock-a-hoop. Now, what we've got to make certain we do is beat Burnley, who are beatable. We should win this game. We do that and then bring on Paris Saint-Germain, mate, because they'll be wondering what's happening. Because they'll have had scouts there, but apart from having scouts at the last two games, they see the results. You win 8 nil away in the Premier League, it doesn't matter who you're playing, that's some result, that. Uh, eight nil away in the Premier League, and then the next game you play, you knock out the champ, the European champions out of a League Cup. Now, if we produce another result against Burnley, they're going to be saying, "Oops, whoop. we never thought this would be a cakewalk, but we didn't think it was going to be this tough. This was supposed to be allegedly the weakest team in the group because we were in the fourth pot, weren't we? The weakest team in the group, and all of a sudden, it's not like that to them whatsoever. So it's done us a massive plus, and it's give game time to certain players that that needed it. And and you're thinking of Lascelles, you're thinking of of Dummett, you're thinking of Livermento, etc., etc. Uh, and so all of that is a plus. And you know, let's not worry too much about Hall and Miley. As I say, I wouldn't have put them in together because if you put in, say, a 17-year-old, he needs a lot of experience around him to help him through it. And he looks to one side of him and it's Hall, who's only 18, and playing in his debut. So that was tough. But I don't worry about them. They don't need my sympathy because they are going to be quality, quality players of the future, both of them. So their moment will come. It wasn't last night. It was Lovemento's moment last night. Uh, but their moments will come and, and that's fine. Yep, most certainly so. And it's, I mean, great experience for the lads, regardless of how how they how they played or the, the view of some of how they played. You know, they will take the the, the forty five minutes, and um, that will boost them and help develop them. In terms of Saturday's game, then against Burnley, they've got one point. You know, they're in a very similar position to to Sheffield United were before Newcastle faced them. Um, it seems like. Vincent Company is trying to stick to his ethos of how he wants to play a nice, attractive football, but it's not producing the results. They're going to come here as underdogs. Do you, Newcastle are clearly favourites, John. Newcastle United will handle that, won't they? You know, they'll not disrespect oh, sure. Burnley. They're going to stand the challenge. It's a Premier League game, no easy games. But Newcastle United have surely got to win this game, haven't they? Absolutely. I mean, the handle they say Milan, they handled. The European champions, uh, they're going to handle Burnley uh, at St James's Park in particular. I mean, you've also got to be uh, the three sides that come up will do very well if one of them escapes going straight back down because Luton, Sheffield United, and Burnley look knock on bets if Everton continue the way they have in the last couple of games, including the League Cup tie. Um, 
they can scrape out of it and uh, it could be the three going straight back down, which would be a shame to a certain extent. But, you know, Burnley, you can you can look at it one of two ways. You can say either they're unbeaten away from home or realise what the reality is, which is they've only played one away from home, which was a 1-1 draw at Nottingham Forest, so being unbeaten away from home isn't so great. They've played four at home and lost four at home. So are they in trouble for a relegation fight? Because the imbalance of games have got away games to come now. And, and you know, that's tough. And, um, yes, he's going to stick to his principles, and but then weren't Luton going to stick to their principles? We play this way and we're going... Every team that comes up is going to stick to their principles but by Christmas they've ditched their principles and they've got the old um, life-saving kit on and they're going to try to survive any way they can um, it's going to be interesting they, they they will give us a test I mean they, most sides will but we said Sheffield United would but they got beat eight um, and I would be staggered if we don't win this game against Burnley, I fully expect us to. We lost three Premier League games on the trot early in the season. We now need to make it three Premier League wins on the trot. We've got the first two with with uh, Brentford and Sheffield United, and Burnley gives us a great opportunity to make it three and to go into Paris Saint-Germain, the first home Champions League game in 20 years on an absolute high and what a glamour match that is so the only way to go in it in the correct frame of mind is to take care of business on, on Saturday and I'm very very confident whatever side is picked because it won't be I was going to say it won't be 10 changes but actually in this case it probably will be because he'll go back to his original side or pretty darn close to it um, but Yes, uh, the, the load can easily be spread, but we can't afford not to beat Burnley because we've been playing catch-up in the Premier League and we can't afford not to beat Paris Saint-Germain because if we're going to progress out of our group, we've got to get our results at home. So they're both massive games. There will be a load spread. For example, can Joe Linton, who lasted 90 minutes, can he play another 90 minutes on Saturday and then still get selected to start if necessary against Paris Saint-Germain? The answer to that is probably no. Um, so will he go on the bench on, on Saturday and then start against Paris? It's anybody's guess because I don't try to second-guess Eddie anymore because it's a very silly thing to do because you can't do it. You can just say what you would do yourself. But maybe Joe won't start, which is why he was left to run himself out on uh, uh, in midweek. And perhaps he won't start, and will, but we'll get on off the bench. With it. Even if he doesn't start, he will do that. And then play against Paris Saint-Germain, who knows? But we've got enough with the rotation of our centre-forwards, with the rotation of our wingers, with what we can do in midfield, like there's, there's Anderson to come back, there's Tenali if you need him, Joe Linton's in this, this thrust again. The back four will probably be the usual back four. I think he will play Burn like you think he will. I wouldn't, but I think Eddie would, and that's the one that's important because Eddie picks his side. So it'll probably be back to the back four and the goalkeeper. So it'll just then be the middle three and the front three selected from, say, five uh, for each layer. Um, and really, it doesn't matter who those five are because they're, they're capable. Because we're not suddenly talking about playing Hall in midfield or Miley in midfield, which is obviously a gamble. It's not a gamble to bring back Longstaff, to play Joe Linton, to play Anderson. He's proved that. To play Bruno, of course. So they're not gambles. If you play Gordon on one side, Almirin on the other, if you play... Murphy, if you play Isaac outside left uh, or Joe Linton outside left, whichever centre forward you play, it's not a gamble. Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's plenty there to, to pick up on, John. Um, first off, I mean, you, you want maximum points from Burnley and PSG, Absolutely. which I, I can totally understand. PSG will be a slightly harder test, though, uh, than Burnley. We will we'll talk more about that next week. Um, but Eddie Howe, after the game against City, was asked about, you know, how do you feel about beating the Premier League champions? And he said, the only way you go into these games with more belief is by winning. So hopefully that will serve us well for the future. It shows that we are capable. Yes, both teams may change, but all you can do is try and win the game. And we did. And I'm delighted with the players. So that 
kind of shows you that that he's hoping that the win against City just further boosts the confidence of the squad going into what is a really important run of fixtures against Burnley PSG and and, and what's to follow. On the, the team news, though, on, on ahead of Saturday, you're right, you know, you, you're looking at probably 10 changes back in, but it's it's interesting that Eddie Howe, after the game, kind of listed a little bit of a an injury list. So he said Callum Wilson was left out because of hamstring tightness. Sven Botman has a knee issue. Isaac came off with a tight calf. Bruno twisted his ankle. And obviously, Paul Dunn had a cramp. And then you had Dan Burn and Martin Dubrovka. Um, Ill. Now, we can look at this one of two ways. One, we ignore it because Eddie Howe has a history of saying something and then they'll all be all right for Saturday. Or B, we look at it and think there's a lot of games. This is bound to happen. This is bound to happen. And what I found really interesting was that they finished the game against City essentially. Well, they finished it essentially without really a striker. They didn't. They didn't have an yeah. out-and-out striker. But actually, when you look at the formation they were playing, there wasn't really a strike. Anthony Gordon, I think, was the man who was meant to be there, but he he seemed to drop into midfield for the last five or ten minutes. Or yeah, so. he played. He played the false nine, didn't he, for that little yeah. while after Isaac was off, and he, he played exactly the same role for England under twenty ones. Um, that was the role that surprised everybody, if you remember, Andrew, when he played not as a winger for the under-21s, but in a nine and said how much he enjoyed it. And he scored a couple of goals. And when he come home, Eddie Howe said, yes, we, we do realise that he can play there. And it's one of the reasons why we didn't buy another out-and-out centre-forward, because we've got Wilson and we've got Isaac, two of the best in the business. And we've got, um, for an emergency, we've got Anthony Gordon that can play there. And and he can do exactly that. I mean, I wouldn't want him to do that for too long at uh, at St James's because I'm a great believer you need an out and out goal scoring centre forward, and also you would deprive us of what he gives us on the wing if he's got to play in that false nine position. But he's, he's quite capable of it. He can play right across. He can play so many positions. And you know why? Because he's quality and because he's quick and and, and because he's got a touch. And, and people like that can play in more than one position. And that's what uh, Eddie likes. He likes that he's acting play centre forward and outside left. That Joe Linton play outside left and, and across the midfield. That Anderson now has enough experience to play centre midfield, but also can play wide left, which is where he was first introduced to the side. We've got several players that can play in several positions. And that is another key. To, to the success Newcastle have because they can change during the game when subs come on or they can cover for each other. We don't look hugely vulnerable in any position apart from right-sided centre-half and um, Lascelles gave us a little bit hope last night that at least we can get through to January and using him in there if it becomes necessary because of Shaw getting injured. It's interesting because I, well, I was going to make the point actually, I think, what we saw yesterday when Isaac went off just reaffirms maybe that, or not maybe, my view, they have to go out and get a third striker in Jan- January because we've seen what happens when they haven't got Wilson or Isaac. You can rely on Gordon, but you know, you're know you going to need a third option. But out of the, the obviously, I've just listed there what Howe said after the game about injuries. Yeah. I'm going to force you, John, to name your starting 11 for Saturday. <laughs> I, know, I know you say there's a difference between what Howe will do and what you will do. So let's start with what you will do. Well, there's Let's a huge, yeah, there's a huge difference between what Howe does and what anybody else would do, because you could go around the fifty thousand that were in St James's and they, and they would not do fifty thousand different teams, but they would do an awful lot of different teams. And the other thing, where he's got a huge advantage over us, he actually knows who's going to be fit and who isn't. We haven't got a clue. We don't know how bad. I mean. It's only because Harvey Bonds is going to be out months that he's actually announced it. But otherwise, we would have just... Would, will Harvey Bonds be fit? I mean, as you said, Joe Linton was not going to be fit until after the international break. All of a sudden, he's playing last night like a two-year-old. Fabulous. Um, running about free of injury, etc., etc. So we don't know who's going to be available. But if you presume that in the main, they're all going to be available, I'm talking about outside of... Bonds and Willick and that, of course. If you think the ones you named are all going to make a recovery, then you pick your side and you pick Pope 
you pick the same back four. I said I wouldn't. I would play uh, Levermento and Trippier as the two fullbacks. But it depends whether you want my team or his team. Well, let's let's go. Let's be... go with let, let's go with your team, John. Let's go with your yeah. starting eleven. Everyone's going to be fit, other than Harvey Barnes to pick. So and Willick, yes, let's, and Willick. Uh, let's go. My team would be Pope, uh, Livermento, Shaw, uh, Botman, and Trippier. It would then be uh, Bruno, Longstaff, and Anderson, and it would be Wilson, Gordon, and Almiron. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mine would be Pope, Trippier, Botman, Cher, Dan Byrne, Bruno, Anderson, Longstaff, Almiron. Wilson and and Gordon, yeah. So that would be my. I think obviously, I, I think I mean how will deny, but you know, the PSG team sheet will come into mind as well. And you know, the, you know, Tonali doesn't start. He'll probably start against PSG and, and what have you. It's not just Joel Linton, on form. So, yeah, Julian. So there's another one. It's. I mean, the team sheet's always going to be interesting, especially after so many changes made against Manchester City. All that remains to be done, John on yep. the match preview here is what we always do at the end of the show and to get your result prediction how is this one going to go oh Newcastle are going to win uh, we both said that we're going to beat Manchester City and we believed it but we knew it was quite possible that it wouldn't happen uh, it's quite possible in any football match something anything can happen but I feel very very confident Newcastle win this game it just depends by how many and, and it would be lovely if the second part of the equation says nil, like it's 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 or 5-0. It'd be nice to have a nil because we would then have five in a row, which would be absolutely fabulous. But the most important thing is the first column. That, New, New, that Newcastle have got to have at least one more goal than Burnley, and I'm utterly and totally convinced that they will have. And I would hope it could be something like 3-0. Fingers crossed. I, I've just um, recorded, actually, the view from the opposition for Friday morning, and I predicted a 3-0 victory um, for Newcastle United as well. I think the confidence is there, the momentum's there, and they're going to set themselves up really nicely for that game against PSG uh, next week. John, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll be back next week, myself and John, to you guys listening please hit that follow button on your podcast provider. Leave us a rating and review and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest to cast out news, including Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning and live coverage of the game against Burnley at good old-fashioned three o'clock. It's not happened in a while. I'm buzzing about that. We'll have a dedicated live blog because it's not on telly anywhere, so you're going to have to come to our website to follow it. It'll be a great game. Hopefully, Newcastle will all three points. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day.